going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Let's go! And welcome to this episode of Fanning Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That is you guys. By the fans, that is us. Yeah, it is. As always, <laughs> intro and outro music is presented by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over on OceansOverAirplanes.com. Give us a follow or hit us up on Twitter. I am at so says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play. I think we might magically be on Spotify now because of this thing with, you know, whatever. Yeah. So have to check. Yeah. Somebody out there tell us. Because I don't have we have Spotify. You can tell us, Paul. I can. So check us out on those platforms. If you listen on any of them, subscribe. Rate, review, all that fun stuff. And I will say, last week I was like, hey, there's going to be an ad at the beginning of the episode. And there totally wasn't an ad at the beginning of the episode because I'm an idiot. So my bad on that. But here we are this week. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. I'm just saying yeah. this over and over again because I'm looking at Paul staring down at I'm trying to see phone. if we're, we're on... Uh... Oh, you don't need to do it now. Seems really unnecessary. Uh, there's apparently another podcast called Fan the Flames. <laughs> unless we're if, unless Fuck. we're on episode eighty nine. Fuck those guys. Which we might be. I don't know who they are. <laughs> I don't like them. Unless it's us. I, I don't like us really that much either. Let's talk about something really quick. That is not our cause, podcast. Cause Paul. Cause Paul. <laughs> yeah. We put out a fantastic, fantastic Valley Boys logo tonight. Yeah, we did. And there was a. What I like to think is a pretty good suggestion. Pretty good suggestion from a certain Mr. Charlie Stiegel on Twitter who said, Hey, I'm fine with them changing the name of the podcast and using this logo. Now, I'm putting you on the spot because I was like, Dude, I kind of like that idea. (laughs) Paul, you don't like the idea. I like the name. I just don't think we have the right to it. (laughs) <laughs> You're the lawyer. <laughs> you tell us we have the rights to it. We can if we want. <laughs> That's all I know. Okay. Let's move off that. We'll talk about that off 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 air. Off air. That's producer type stuff that we'll deal with. Let's talk about the Suns. Yeah? Let's talk about the actual Valley Boys. You wanna do this? Let's do this. We have not gone well, we already went on a tangent. Shit, my bad. Okay. So since we recorded last week, Suns had a one in three week, which didn't really feel to me like a one in three week. It felt to me like the team is becoming what I think we all hoped it would be coming into this season. You know, they're not a playoff team, but they're competitive. And you can see that with a little more seasoning a little bit more, you know, a couple more pieces in the right spots that they really could turn it into something. And, you know, after coming off of the, uh, what did they go, five and two? Five and two, yes. They went five, they went yes. five and two over those the seven games since before the last time we potted. And then since then, they've been one and three, but those games were, did not feel like one and three. Like, when you think back on it, like, you know, yeah, they lost, but... I mean, they were, most of them were like close losses or even if they were like the ending score was a little bit more uh, dramatic, the actual game itself was competitive. Right. And it's, it's, it's mostly, I mean, you think back to earlier in the season and we say this like this is eons ago, but we're talking about like literally three weeks ago. I mean, they went on a 17-game losing streak. We can't forget that. No. And it was a 17-game losing streak where the games were not all, but for a large part, kind of just hopeless. You sat there, watched them get into a big hole. Sometimes they try to fight their way back. Obviously, when you lose most 17 in a row, you did not fight your way back. And yeah, that, that's the thing. is Most of the time, you're sitting there going, man, these guys don't give a shit. Like, they've given up. They don't care. They've checked out. They're just going to do the same thing throughout the rest of the season. Well, it was, I mean, we had gotten to the point where, like, it was, I don't know if I'd call it a running joke, but it was 
just everybody waiting for, oh, this is the quarter where they're going to suck and then this game's out of hand. Aaron's like, is it going to be before or after halftime? Yeah, I mean, they always had that quarter from hell. Sometimes they'd be the first quarter. They always had that quarter from hell. Sometimes it was two, sometimes it was three. But, you know, since that 17-game losing streak, they are five and four. Great? No. Great for the Suns? Absolutely. And, you know, let's look at these four games since the last time we recorded. You know, we've got the Portland game. They lost. They yeah. lost by seven. And it was much worse until the fourth quarter. And sure, at that point in time, maybe Portland was kind of like, whatever, we've got this game in the bag. But the Suns outscored them by 18 in the fourth quarter, put up 43 points, which is something, regardless of who's on the floor for the other team. 43 and, points in a quarter. Right, exactly. That's impressive. And there were, I mean, it's not like they just had the end of the bench in the entire fourth quarter. They had some other guys, and I know McCollum was playing in the fourth. Um, so so that game, that was kind of one of those, but maybe it looked, it, the final score was closer than it truly was, but they showed that fight. Like we said, like, I mean, if you it, earlier in the season, if the Suns walk into a fourth quarter down by, what did I say, that's going about 18, the last 725, that's at least a 25-point loss still, if not 30, 35, 40, you know? Um, but they showed some fight there. Then then the next game, now this is the one. This was, a, I think, my favorite game of the year. Perhaps my favorite game for the Suns in quite a while was the win at Golden State. Right. That I, was, I actually kind of just oh, sure, say by all game. means. Um, be- before we get into that Golden State game, because it really, and it leads into that. It's I think there was a, there was a little bit of coming off of that five and seven game uh, period and then kind of feeling like they were getting blown out for most of that game against Portland. There was concern that the team was like just going to kind of go back into that funk and like, oh, that was the like the period of success was more a blip and that the team sucks is the abnormal. But then the Warriors game happened. And that was fun. That was, was nerve wracking. Because <coughs> I'm not used to that. Yeah. I'm used to crushing defeats. Well, and it started off looking like it was going to be a crushing defeat because the right. Suns were down 29 16 after one quarter. And you're like, okay, here we go. Anemic offense. Warriors aren't even playing well. And they're up by 13 at the Particularly end of the Particularly after coming off of the. The Portland game. Right. And the Suns came back. Second quarter outscored the Warriors by 12, put up 40 points again. Uh, so obviously cut the lead to one at halftime. They played even in the third, and the fourth quarter was one of the... like That was you, you talk about fun. You talk about how basketball is a game of runs. That fourth quarter was the epitome of basketball being the game of, a, a game of runs. Because... Let me just break it down. 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 So the Suns walked into that fourth quarter down 80 to 79. They scored the first two points, took an 81 to 80 lead. Warriors then proceeded to go on an 8-0 run to take an 88 to 81 lead. Suns then proceeded to go on a 10-0 run to take a 91 to 88 lead. The teams then played, you know, pretty evenly um, for the next few minutes. Suns were up 99, 80, or excuse me, 98 with five minutes left. Five minutes and one second left to be precise. The Suns then went on another 10-0 run to put them up 109 to 98 for the mathematicians out there. At that point, like and you know what? Right, <laughs> exactly. During that run, there was a play where... The Suns got a, I don't remember if it was a steal or it was a rebound, but four of the five guys on the Suns kind of took their time coming up court. The one guy who did not take his time going up court was Kelly Oubre, who happened to have the ball, (laughs) and was coming up court staring at a one against four fast break. At least. He proceeds to pull up and shoot a three from the wing and just buries it. From like Curry range? It wasn't that deep, but it was one of those where you're watching come up the court. You're like, all right, just wait. Just wait. No, don't do that. Okay, that's cool. Do that because he buries it. And that might have, I don't remember, but that might have been the shot that put them up 11. 
or excuse me, 13. No, 11 was correct. <laughs> um, See, I'm the mathematician. <laughs> and, then, and then the Warriors proceed to then cut the game, the, 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 the lead down to three with a minute four left. And as they were chipping away, I remember sitting there watching, being, being like, all right, here we go. Well, at least they stayed competitive and they didn't blow it entirely and get blown out. But they held on. They held on to win. And Booker was the fourth quarter book that you want to see. He, at right. one point in that fourth quarter, scored, I think, 13 in a row. He put some respect on his name. Uh, he did. He he went for 37, 11, and 8 in that game as a whole. I mean, that fourth quarter was fun. That was fun. And I was sitting there watching, and I'm like, I need to tweet. And you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to tweet this because I just want to watch this. I just want to <laughs> enjoy this. I want to enjoy this basketball. And and it was. It was absolutely fun to watch. I mean, again, coming off of that Portland game, a team that not too long ago was on a 17-game losing streak, and they're able to pull out a win against the defending champions in Oakland. Not San Francisco. Let's talk about that, actually. <laughs> Let's talk. I have a problem with it. I have a big problem with this. How Tangent. do you have how do you have jerseys that are the city and then jerseys that are the town? And I understand the difference, but it just seems like it almost seems insulting to Oakland. It's like, hey, you know what? Hey Oakland, you know how we're skedaddling after this season? We're gonna go ahead and just give you a little consolidation gift and have a jersey that says a town well, on this year. Isn't it just kind of insulting in general that Oakland's just called the town? <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually a good point. <laughs> Oakland's not a I town. Paradise Valley's a town. Okay? San Francisco is called the city. I'm pretty sure New York is the city. But for whatever reason, San Francisco calls themselves the city because they think they're hot shit. Which they're a fun city to go to, but they're not the city. You know, I, I, I don't. I feel like San Francisco is not even that much fun. I've been there a bunch. I mean, it's cool. It's fine. It's all windy there. It's cold. It's drizzly. Yeah, you got. They got. They got a bridge. Sweet. They have the Warriors. They have, yeah, they've got the Warriors. Actually, no. Oakland has the Warriors yeah, now. for now. But <laughs> that, I mean, that, that stadium is shit though. I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't like the whole, the town, the city jerseys. It just seems disingenuous to me. What if we had, what if the Suns had the Valley jersey? That's, see, but that's fine. I like that idea. That's better, better than, than Low Suns. I was just going to say that. It's way better than Low Suns. Low Suns just seems so, so, so lazy. So lazy. Because it wasn't even their idea. Right, because the whole league had los whatever forever and then it stopped and then it stopped but the suns and then they're like let's leave the suns with los suns because well you know phoenix is so close to mexico i don't know well actually the the, i don't think the whole league did that like spanish thing where like the los suns were it was just like it was a handful of teams that had heavily ties Latin markets. Yeah, like, like Los Timberwolves doesn't really make sense. No. Los Pistons. It was the L Heat. Los Jazz. It was the L Heat. It was the Los Spurs. Los Spurs. Los Suns. I don't even think Dallas didn't even get one. I'm sorry? Dallas? I thought you said Galveston. Galveston. Yes. Oh yes. That, ma- that magical Galveston NBA team. The Galveston. I feel like that. <laughs> didn't Galveston at some point have an. Uh, uh, a D-League team and I say D-League meaning D-League like back then when they had this team it was still the D-League I don't know might have just made that up I don't know why Galveston just came into my head that is in Texas right? yeah and I have I have I have a lot of family in Texas but I don't think anyone live in Galveston so I have no idea no idea where that came from but anyway yeah that you know you're right not every team did the Los Whatevers and I, you know, I was always also thought with that, like, if you're going to say Los Sun, at least say like Los Soles or something. I, lo- like- I actually, that was that, that was like a point of contention during the time when they put that out. Um, cause I mean, like there are Spanish words for heat. There are Spanish <laughs> words for suns. There are Spanish words for spurs for that matter. But because it's the official name. 
of the organization. That's why they kept it as the official name, not just the Spanish translation of that word. Which makes sense. You know what that always... But it also just sounds really dumb. That always reminded me of was... (laughs) I don't know how old people listen to this are, but... The Saturday Night Live skit when Chris Farley played El Nino. And he was like, <laughs> it's Spanish I am for El Nino. For the those Nino. of you who don't hablo espanol, <laughs> that's Spanish for the Nino. <laughs> like, it was like the same thing. So, anyway. But anyway, back to the Valley. <clears throat> I would be all for that. You know why? Because that actually describes Phoenix and the surrounding it's surrounding area. area, the surrounding suburbs, the other cities. You can always area, do the basin. Even the towns. <laughs> if you're Ron Wolfley, you want it to be the basin. I'm fine with that too. In fact, I like that better because people will be like, what the hell does that even mean? And people in Phoenix will be like, oh, you idiots, we know what this means. <laughs> we fine. have this idiot on the radio. Whoa, 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 whoa. I've met him. He's actually a very nice guy. He's not an idiot. Yeah, that was, that was just rude. That was, that was dick, dude. Ron Wolfley would well, he wouldn't kill you because he seems like a very gentle giant. My, fan, my fantasy football team last year was named out of respect to him, not in our league, but in our oh, league, yeah? the Blood Farmers. He said that one time on, on, on his show. He was like, You want guys in the trenches that are gonna that's my that's my Ron Wolfley right there. You want oh, guys yeah. in the trenches that are gonna be blood farmers. You know what that means? And and all you have to do is like do a Randy Savage impression. You right. do a Ron Wolf. And Doug was like, <laughs> Doug was like, no, I have no idea what this means. He goes, that means you you farm blood from the other players and from yourself. And I'm like, that's the I'm like, dude, it's 7 a.m. Like, calm down. This is kind of intense. All right. So Tangent four. The valley. Is over. The valley, cool. The basin, cool. The city, the town. <laughs> that's how we feel here on the Valley Boys podcast <laughs> you don't like it we won't change it paul doesn't like it it's fine so anyway back to the suns technically you don't really leave the suns entirely but warriors game <laughs> phenomenal let's point out too that they held the warriors to 23 percent shooting from three point defense range. has really gotten Good. What was the thing you said earlier about Bridges and Ray? Oh, Tell me this. Um, Tell me I, this. Let me find I it again to get this. the exact I'll keep stats. saying stuff until you find it. Evan Sidery. There you go. Of Great Side and Locked On uh, tweeted out tonight. Let me find it. I got it. I got it. I got it. The combined defensive impact from Kelly Oubre and Mikhail Bridges this month proves how vital this duo is to forming the Suns' new identity long term. For combined stats for these two guys over the last month, average stats per game, 4.2 steals. Each of them is averaging 2.1 steals. And my Bleacher Report just decided to update and sh- shift the uh, tweet down, but I found it. Um, 1.5 blocks. Ubre is averaging 1.1. Bridges is 0.5. Okay. And 7.2 deflections. Ubre is at 3.8 and Bridges at 3.4. Those are really good stats. I mean, those guys are pests. They are out there. They are, they are gambling, but they're gambling well. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's they're they're like sharps of steals, and they they actually like know how to do it. They're not just like the random. They're not the random guy going out there just trying to poke the ball away. Hoping. They they. they poke it away when they know it's most advantageous. Which is the right time to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So, mm-hmm. and I mean, just, and it's not, and it's just like even all around from a defensive perspective, they're guys, they're all over the court. They'll take on any assignment and then, and it really helps having guys on the perimeter who not that they can lock down guys yet, but they can frustrate and pester them enough that it's able to allow, um, our front court guys to get into the right positions so they can also affect defensively appropriately. So it just really helped elevate the team from a defensive perspective. I can tell that Paul is having trouble right now 
maintaining his thought process because we're watching the ASU Oregon <laughs> game at the same time. And he's staring at the TV being like, and then they, you know, do defensive yeah. stuff. And so, no, but that's, 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 that's a great point. And I mean, ultimately, like I said, they, they held the Warriors to 23% shooting for three-point range, which is not common. New Steph and Clay combined eight for 30. Also not common. And I'll be frank, I'll be candid, I'll be honest. I have not exactly looked at how many minutes Bridges and or Ublé played on either of those guys, but we can assume that there was an impact there. Right. And let's talk about Ubre too, in that game. I mean, 22 points on 9 for 14 shooting, 4 for 5 from deep, yeah. 5 rebounds, 6 he turnovers. That's okay. not too shabby. Don't be worried about that. And it brings me to what I tweeted out earlier tonight, and that is, for the love of God, sons, please keep Ubre. Please keep Kelly Ubre. I was I was actually uh, reading a um, an article on Bleacher Report when I was scrolling through when I saw that uh, Evan Sidery tweet. That it's they're listing out um, potential fr- uh, free agents who may likely get overpaid, and Ubre was on there. And it was actually <laughs> interesting the way that they the actual little blurb on him is start out with like you had asked us three weeks ago, he wouldn't have been on this list. He has played himself onto that list that he's earning him more money by the day. Yeah. And I think that I was listening to solar panel the other day. I think Dave says something to the effect of Dave King, our boss, right side of the sun's fearless leader said, don't he would expect, he would expect to see, Uber get four years, fifteen million. Which fine, I'm down Frankly, with that. Fine, fine. It's about right for the kind of production he has. Like whether he's a solid, like above average starter or like a huge spark plug off the bench. Either way, I'm fine with that. I it was my my biggest concern about signing Uber is just balancing minutes between him booker and bridges i mean it can be done it's you know those three guys you know can alternate each other's positions pretty well and both uber and bridges can slide to the four in certain lineups but you don't want them spending too much time well and uber is primarily a three right so and so we know bridges. that book can play the one some and yeah, i i don't think that's that big of an issue i really don't and you know, at this point in time, too, I mean, remember, Kelly Oubre is 23. He's only in his third year. Right. He, he's presumably only going to improve. Right. So if you can get him on that kind of contract, hey, I, I, I'm all for Oubre staying. I mean, shit, I said it last week. And I, I've actually had some friends who listen to the podcast text me. And tell me that I'm insane because I said last week, if it came down to the Suns being able to get a point guard in free agency or keep Kelly Oubre, I'd be fine with them keeping Kelly Oubre. Oh, yeah. And I, and, I, and I, I explained to him, I said, look, the point guard class in free agency, meh. I mean, you got Kemba out there. Yeah. You've got... Terry Rozier. Rozier. Who, if Kyrie leaves, you got technically you've got Kyrie out there, technically. But if he leaves, he's not coming to the Suns. He's going to New York right. or L.A., which would be hilarious. Yeah, that would It'd be, be like super hilarious. Full circle, <laughs> full, full circle. Well, I, I mean that t- tangent number five. I, when Kyrie called LeBron to apologize for being a dick, because <laughs> now he understands. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Wait, and then then the conspiracy theories started flying that like it was LeBron and Kyrie's plan that Kyrie this is like the only way Kyrie's going to be able to get out. So he forces his way out, and then LeBron leaves when his contract's up, and then they reconnect a year later. Here's 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 the one thing that the world doesn't need any more of is anybody giving LeBron James more of a sense of entitlement. We don't need any more of that. So Kyrie, thanks for nothing. That guy got hit in the groin. Oh. Yeah, he did. <laughs> they just keep focusing on him, though. So 
Yeah, well, that's what I explained to these guys. I'm like, look, the class isn't that deep, and Kelly Oubre... They have Uber, a better shot at getting a good one with a trade. Kel, yeah, and, and, and we've got pieces. We've got pieces that we can trade, which we've talked about. So, And you could always turn some of those pieces into like a sign-and-trade on top of that. You could theoretically do both. Like, you got a team who is, you know, like a Kemba situation where, you know, maybe Kemba wants to leave. He's like, I'm not coming back. I could go to another team, but this is the team I want to go to. Mm -hmm. You guys can get players back to restock. And, you know, whether we use the Milwaukee combination of, like, let's say the Mil whoever we draft with the Milwaukee pick or we do it earlier than that, like, do it on draft night. Um, got the Milwaukee pick. You got Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, um, t uh, Tyler Johnson's contract can be put in for uh, filler. For filler. And, I mean, he's productive, too. I mean, he's overpaid this year just because of the way the contract is structured, so it looks, like, way worse than it is. I mean, he knows what his value is. He yeah. knows he's not a $17 million player. It's He was a 10 or $12 million or whatever it was player when you average out the contract, which makes sense. It's just the way the contract's designed. But there are we have pieces that are there, that, and in this stretch run with a lot of those guys producing and whatnot it it only increases their value right right I agree. and the only thing that's really decreasing anything's value is milwaukee being milwaukee and basically giving us the last pick in the first round right so all right well let's move off of these three four four games and move on to our longest running segment on fanning the flames slash the valley boys I like that so much. <laughs> I like it. And that is our TJ Warren update. So, Paul, what's going on with TJ Warren? Still hurt. Still hurt. Still not sure why. All righty. And on that note, we will take a short break. And we're back after that fantastic, lovely break with some ad that we don't know what it was right now, but I'm sure it was enthralling. I want to talk a little bit about my favorite Phoenix Suns topic, and that is DeAndre Ayton. Your son. My son. My much taller, different ethnicity son. I feel like DeAndre Ayton and I could be boys. We're both pretty chill, relaxed guys. You know? You know how to hang out with basketball players. Pretty much it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I have this tendency to have friends that are only at least six foot eight and taller. So, except for Paul. I make exceptions sometimes. Sometimes. But I want to talk about DeAndre Ayton and in a negative, but also at the same time, positive light. And that is his performance in the Utah Jazz game. Now, the Suns played the Jazz all right. They lost by 17, but they went into the fourth quarter down by three. And then the fourth quarter was, as we've become accustomed to, a quarter from hell for the Suns, which is fine. It happens. But DeAndre Ayton, that game, played 33 minutes, went one for nine from the field, scored only two points. His lowest of the season. Lowest of the season. Still managed to get nine rebounds, two steals, and a block, and had a plus-minus of minus 23. Mm. Now, that's the negative. The positive that I'd like to focus on is what Ayton said after the game. And he said, quote, and this is from a tweet from Gina Mizell. Again, Aiton said, quote, overall, I give myself an F minus. That was a bad game. I definitely put this loss on me. I just wasn't locked in. The shots I took were pretty bad. This was definitely the worst game I've ever played. The worst by far. He continued. It was one of those games where I started moping every time I saw a miss. Usually I don't do that. I just shoot the ball. Next play, make or miss. Today, I don't know why I was so worried about the shot. It was just so off. To be honest, I'm just tired. End quote. Now, maybe that second part, a little concerning to a certain extent about moping no and things excuses. like that. I'm tired definitely sounds like an excuse. <laughs> but He's that moody. being said, I think it's positive that he shows a self-awareness. He admits that he was off that game. He admits that he wasn't himself. 
he admits that it was a terrible game. And I think that's part of being, you know, when you're a 19, 20 year old kid, being able to step up and say, that was shit. I was terrible. I didn't do my job. I think that speaks volumes of his character. Counterpoint. And I'm not intending to compare these two players because Aiton has been much more productive for the most part, much more consistent. I mean, yes, there are questions about effort. There are questions about aggression. That I feel like there are questions about aggression. I don't feel like there are questions about effort. Yeah, it's it's more aggression, yeah. Because I think he could really take over if he just had that dog in him that I'm not sure he does. He hasn't proven he has yet. But to your point about the quotes and whatnot, Marquise Chris said every one of those same quotes. But he didn't... He knew what to say, and whether he believed it or not, when he had... Words and actions are two different things, and his actions didn't show it. And my concern... And this concern has been lessened over the last month or so. Because Aiton's been talking this way since the beginning of the season. But at the same time, he was struggling. And we weren't seeing... He was struggling? Okay. No, I mean, he, he wasn't struggling, but... How do, I, how do I describe this? I mean, he wasn't taking over the way we wanted it. We were hoping he would. And obviously, a lot of that is perception. You know, if this was any other, any other rookie class or whatnot, he probably would be getting a lot more, a lot more recognition and whatnot. And that's a huge part of it. But there was also, there is a lot of, People who know the game of basketball way better than we do who had concerns about his potential. And that him saying all these right things, but then you not seeing the improvement that I would have wanted to see was concerning. Like I said, the last month has alleviated a little bit. I've really started to see some of that aggression, started to see some of the some of the things that I was hoping for to see earlier in the year. You want to? I'm, rip I'm so it's so difficult when you say all that. <laughs> Hold on, okay. Let me let me let me break. If all you this all down. could have seen his face during that entire piece, <laughs> let me break all this down. So you're telling me that before one month ago, you were concerned about DeAndre Ayton yes. and how good he can be. Yes, and you're saying that you're comparing him to Marquise Chris. You I, don't say you're not. You just did. But I also caveated at the beginning. What did Marquise Chris average through his seasons with the Suns? Do you remember? Do you know? Give me guess. Just guess what his averages were. I know they were shit. I'm not saying that they were. So I'm not when, saying that when, the when same DeAndre Ayton comes out after having one really shitty game and says that you're going to say it's like Marquise Chris, no, who I, said that time he, after he time said after things time. Like, he has said things in that uh, vein throughout the entire season. We've talked he about said, it. He said he said before that he wants to start taking over, which he hasn't done. That's totally different than saying I played a horrible game. Yes, it is totally different. The, the these the specifics. Yes, I played like crap. Like, I hope Bill's listening right now because I'm about to replace you with him. <laughs> <laughs> but there's been a there's been a lot. He's had a lot of comments throughout the season where he says I want to do this. I want to do that. But then the next game he steps on the court, he he's not actively doing it. What do you do tonight? Do you know? Because this was the previous game. The Jazz game was the last game before the Houston game. What do you have? 17 and 13? 17 and 14 on 7 to 14 shooting. Okay. I mean, this is a guy who is having, I know, by all accounts, a historic rookie year. Because Luka Doncic dunks on a night where he shoots one for nine from three-point range and his team loses, nobody cares. Right. But to say that your counterpoint is Marquise Chris said the same stuff before is ludicrous. Ludicrous. It's ludicrous. 
Let me say it one more time. Ludicrous. I've also compared DeAndre Ayton to Alex Len. Ludicrous. <laughs> what is, yeah, Paul, what is wrong with you? Why, I've been why burned we, a lot by big men. Why are we friends? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> I, and, and how about this, how about this counterpoint to your counterpoint? And that is that we've talked about this on this podcast too. And that is DeAndre Ayton has shown a willingness to learn and a willingness to improve himself. And he's in the process of trying to do that. I agree with that. And because of that, perhaps he shows tentativeness on the court. And in the past month, as you pointed out, as he becomes more comfortable with the NBA game, he's started to show more aggression. Effort's still there. Always has been there. Mm -hmm. Aggression is starting to come out. And... Let's also point out that Kellen posted another one of his fantastic videos on Twitter where Aiden, I think, made eight of ten three-pointers from the corner, and then he did a sweet air guitar thing after. Did you see that? It was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Which, again, why DeAndre Aiden and I would be, would be buddies. Which, again, is why I feel like the Valley Boys as a whole would be fine with using their term <laughs> Just two, as our two white boys hanging out on the sides. We can be the... We can be the other Valley Boys. <laughs> Just start photoshopping into the us. Into Maybe those we'll bits. put two Z's on it, so instead of one Z, <laughs> just saying. <clears throat> but dude, I mean, he's he's I know twenty he, years old. I know he's playing his first year of professional I basketball. No, he's on a team with an established player. An established player is an understatement because Devin Booker is a phenomenal player, yeah. and. Plays at an all-star level, and only because... I mean, if he was in the East, he'd be a freaking all-star. Yeah. So, we can't really sit there and be like, I'm concerned that he said he had a shitty game one time, and that just reminds me of Marquise Chris, and sometimes it he was plays not, like Alan I was Lent. not saying... That's what you, you said? No, I am saying he has had a pattern of saying things about like wanting to do X, Y, or Z, or understanding his faults... But then he'd step on the court and he wasn't acting like he was attempting to address those. That was my point. And, I, I, and then I said, in the past month, he has actually started to address those. <sighs> so my concern is less. But I was just making a point that we had a guy who was here before that who said the same thing, but never... But also did the same thing where he didn't really address his... He was self-aware... But then when he stepped on the court, he, like, didn't actually work at those I things. don't think that Marquise Chris was self-aware. If Marquise Chris was self-aware, he would have said something to the effect of, that's about as good as I can do, guys. That's me. <laughs> that's me in a nutshell right there. I'm sorry. That's what he would have said if he was self-aware. Now I feel like you said this just to get me all riled up. It's late, Paul. Now I'm not going to sleep till like, 3 a.m. because of You're it. You're welcome. God damn it. Go hit some balls. Well, that's yeah, a little closer. too late for that one. Yeah. Gosh, you couldn't do this at like nine o'clock. Then I'd be set. Um, well, they're they're shutting down the freeway over there because they're like doing some. So you just go hit them off the freeway. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I'm not using my own balls, and that just seems like a waste of money. And you want to get some cheaper clubs. Yes, yeah, that's a good point too. <laughs> anyway, if anybody ever wants to golf with me, hit me up on Twitter. I'll take you out. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm a blast on the golf course, I'll tell you that much. Just oodles, oodles of fun. So, anyway, I think that Marquise Chris showed maturity by his statements. Paul thinks he's Marquise Chris. I just called him Marquise Chris. See what you've done to me? You're welcome. My, 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 I'm, I'm off my game. I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm not going to say anything else. I don't need to say anything else about that. You know what, Paul? I need to calm down. Let's take another break. And we are back. All right. So, next yeah. thing on the agenda. A report came out just today. It was initially on, if I'm not mistaken, Bleacher Report. And I know that's where I saw it, but I don't know if that's who sourced it. Okay. And Brightside, I know it did something on it, but the gist of it is that there's a rumor out there that in the event Kakoshkov is not back next season as a head coach of the Phoenix Suns, that Luke Walton is going to be a top target for the Suns' head coaching job 
Assuming, of course, also that he is fired, which I'm guessing is going to happen because LeBron James is a horrible person. Yeah, that's th- an opinion, th- th- that not defamation. Just for the record, <laughs> that I would say that one's more likely than the first half of your statement. Mm-hmm. That Luke Walton is going to be gone. I mean, it sucks for Luke. I mean, he kind of what he was hired to do and what he is now required to do is actually kind of similar to the David Blatt situation. It's funny how that works out, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that funny? And at least Luke got a year or two to coach first. Isn't Eric Spolster basically the only coach that LeBron didn't bury? And he wanted to. And you know why he couldn't bury him? Bat Riley. No, because Spolster's half Filipino. Duh. Gosh. Gosh. Half Filipinos rule the world. The only other one that I know that's famous is Jason Day, but he's pretty awesome too. <laughs> so, oh wait, Dean Cain also have Filipino. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I didn't, so Superman. Superman Manny Pacquiao full Filipino. Yeah. Filipinos killed Ferdinand Magellan. Did you know that? I did not. Died in a knife fight. You don't knife fight with Filipinos or play high lie against. Why them. you just bring a gun? Was it Ferdinand Magellan? Yeah, it was. One of those, one of those guys. Anyway, Paul. Yeah. There's your Filipino history lesson for the day. Awesome. Now, Thank you. moving on. Talk about Luke Walton. Talk about Igor Kokoshkov, whose well, name does not sound like a sneeze. Still, go on. So, I mean, the, the problem I kind of have with this report is basically the last three weeks. Like, this team, yes, this team has struggled extremely through like basically the first two thirds of the season. I mean, they set a record for the longest losing streak in team history, but Igor's Igor was put in a position to fail. Unfortunately. I mean, they, they never, not never, they didn't get him a point guard until, And even still, what they got was a combo guard. But at the very least, he's competent enough to stabilize the offense. And because he's more of a scorer and facilitator than Melton or um, Oubre at this stage in their careers, he could compensate. And uh, I mean, Melton or Oubre? Not Ubre, uh, a Kobo. Okay, thank you. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Five letter last name begins with O. Sounds kind of weird. Look at that snappy math you did right there. Go on. But um, so bringing in Tyler Johnson is really that's one of the keys to having to having stabilized this team. So looking at the first two thirds of the season, it's I don't blame. Igor that much I mean yes he is a part of it he is when you're coaching a young team there are motivational things that you need to do because they don't know how and that's not really his personality and so there is that is a failure there or a you know a demerit but at the same time I think he's got a good system he's got a good structure you just need players to execute it, and he wasn't really given those players, or those players aren't to the level that they need to be. We've started to get them. Kelly Oubre has helped with that. Um, Mikhail Bridges is really... Mikhael Bridges is great. I mean, he, that, you don't really see it in the basic stat sheet, but, I mean, the things he does, he just makes the right play. He's one of those guys that brings intangibles to the team. Yes. Um, DeAndre Ayton's really starting to come on. Um, like I said before, Tyler Johnson has really stabilized that offense. Um, but back to my point is I don't think Igor should be let go this year. I don't see, I think that would be a rash decision. Do I like Luke Walton as coach? Do I think he would actually be pretty good with our team? Yes. I think he did a rather good job last year with those, that, those young Lakers before things got thrown for a loop with LeBron coming in and then LeBron basically telling the entire team, I'm going to trade you. And, <laughs> and they also dealt with some really serious injuries throughout the season that kind of derailed their season, including a large one to LeBron himself. So I think Luke could be a good coach for us. I think 
I wanted Luke to be our coach when he was up for the job when we hired Earl Watson. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one I will agree with you on. I mean, would we have lost out to the Lakers? Probably, but I yep. would have liked to have been in the conversation. I mean, we at least had Devin Booker in place. We had Eric Bledsoe. We had players, whereas the Lakers were at the beginning of their rebuild and they were tearing it down. They, or granted, they had they had their they had their best players that they've let go, which is which is a great move by a front office, you know, like of your young core, of the seven or eight players of your young core, your two best players are the ones you let walk for nothing. Yeah, at least at least the one's Sun- an all star and one's gonna get paid. At least the Suns just have trouble getting talent. They don't let talent just <laughs> they just <laughs> irresponsibly walk not away. just let them walk out the door, push them. No, like please, please, please with go. a nice kick to the please ass. Go. Please go now. Yeah, no, I. I talked about this, or we talked about this, not we, you and I, but uh, me and the solar panel guys was on there a few weeks ago, and I think we collectively were in agreement with what you're saying, and that is Kokoshkov, and this is back before the Suns started rallying off wins, rattling off wins, but Kokoshkov doesn't deserve to get fired. He got dealt a bad hand. We haven't been able to see what he can do with a... Not only a legitimate point guard, but at least the semblance of a legitimate point guard. Right. He Stability. Came, yeah, he came in with a bunch of young kids, fair amount of roster turnover, so guys who didn't know each other. Booker didn't get to participate in training camp preseason. Had, had some grumpy vets. Had some grumpy vets, absolutely. So he Who really, were supposed to be brought in for stability and were the opposite. The complete opposite. And, you know... He deserves the opportunity to see what, what, what can be done under his system once the guys start to get it, which is what is starting to happen, it certainly looks like right now. And ultimately, you, you need that stability, too. I mean, Booker's had how many coaches since he's been here? Four? Josh Jackson had three in two years. So, okay, let's think about it. So, Hornacek. Hornacek. Watson. Watson. Um, Triano. Triano. And now... Oh, Igor. Igor. So, four. So, four, yeah. four years, four coaches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... N- n- not good, Bob. Not Not good. great. Not... It, not great, Bob, at all. And by Bob, I'm talking about you, Bob Sarver. Not, not, not even decent, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, so... I think that stability needs to be there because you think about it more long-term too. You bring in a new coach, bring in a new system, and then you're kind of starting from scratch. There have been a lot of concerns, especially seeing the way everything has worked out with, you know, Carl Anthony Towns before they got rid of Butler, the way things have gone with Anthony Davis. You got Suns fans being like, well, is this going to be us in three years? two years, whatever, is Booker going to want to try to force his way out? And I think changing coaches right now is something that's... May actually push that further down the... Right, exactly. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help promote that type of uh, eventuality uh, occurring. Well, and changing coaches again for the fourth time in three years, would it just... Lead, um, perpetuates the idea that the Suns as a team, as an organization, are rudderless, which is not going to attract you the best talent. It's not going to, from a coaching, from a GM, or from a player standpoint. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take the play, the talent you do have, and they're going to want to run away. So keeping your coach in place, even if it's just for one more season, just to kind of show some kind of give him give him an opportunity to succeed. Yeah. yeah. Like actually this goes back to that's that article that um Kevin Arnovitz did about Robert Sarver that we talked about on last pod. In that article, Sarver specifically talks about he in the banking industry or whatnot, he 
felt he had a good talent and a good grasp on finding young managerial talent and putting them in a position to succeed. Sure. That is not what he has done as an owner of the Suns. He does not put his managerial talent, his coaches and his GMs, in positions to succeed. And firing Igor this year when you put him in the... Of all of those coaches, put him in the The worst worst position to Mm -hmm. succeed. When he probably has arguably the most talent. So... Hold on. Wait. Of the coaches we have had... Oh, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. Since Sarver took over, not counting D'Antoni because he was hired before he took over, and not counting Alvin Gentry because he had a history. Every other one of those coaches was a rookie coach. And technically D'Antoni was a rookie coach when he was hired too. But every one of those coaches was a rookie coach, and none of them were really put in great positions to succeed. And like I said... Igor's was the worst because they didn't give him a complete team. He didn't have a like he didn't have a power forward and he didn't have a point guard. He's playing with three positions, and most of all, of, most of which were just wings. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and and you know, it, it, you look at the Cardinals. They fired Steve Wilkes after one year, right? But Steve Wilkes was the problem, right? It wasn't like there was this huge turnover. And they had a bunch of young guys, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, they got David Johnson back. You would expect them to be better. And they were garbage. That firing made sense because he was taking that team nowhere. Does the Kingsbury hire make sense? I don't know yet. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It it makes more sense than keeping Steve Wilkes. Yes. Um, But... Hey, this is coming from guys who root for the Chargers, and we kept Mike McCoy around probably three, two seasons Forget too Mike long. Forget Mike McCoy. Kept North Turner around for four seasons too long. Whole different pod that doesn't exist. Well, it does exist, but we don't do it. Hey, John Gennaro, you want to talk Chargers? We're up for it. Yeah, bro. Because I actually know who he is. Congratulations. Before, like, when, I got the e- when we got the email, I was like, oh, yeah, he's the guy I used to listen to on Chargers pods. There you go. <laughs> okay, Paul. Focus. Tangent. Again. Focus here. No, we don't. Focus. <laughs> focus. What's that? We're talking about focus. <laughs> so. Anyway. Not tangents. Focus. Are you done? Nope. Okay. Um, I don't know what I was just saying. Um, but no. Wilkes made sense to get rid of him. That team was going nowhere. Kakashkov has shown improvement. The team has shown improvement. Now, the one thing that I do have a problem with when it comes to Igor is his obvious inability to motivate his players. But you know what? If that's his worst fault, then so be it, because it certainly seems to me that bringing a guy like Ubre in has kind of changed the complexion of the team, changed the, the, the motivational outlook of the team they seem like they're caring more granted they lost 17 games in a row but actually as a whole go on i yes i think Ubre's activity and whatnot on the court and off the court i i think he does bring a lot of motivation but i think actually one of the things that really motivated the team was tyler johnson because when he came in and he was honest with these guys with them and he's like this is what the league thinks of you. And it was like a negative motivation. Yeah. But like, it's like he shamed him into it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's the motivation you need. You need shame. It's, you know, there's that whole thing. Like, you know, you're a parent, you don't getting angry at your kids. You know, they brush that off getting disappointed in your kids. My kids react pretty well when I get angry. Cause I don't get angry often just at you. When you talk about, how DeAndre Ayton's comparable to Marquise Chris and Alex Len. That gets me angry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, the wins the Suns have been getting as of late have coincided with Tyler Johnson coming onto this team. And Bender coming into the starting lineup. And Bender Let's coming not forget that. Line. Yeah, and we can talk you about know, that a little you bit. You know, there, there, there are some people who are coming back onto Bender Island. I'm not there yet, but I may be circling in a rowboat. How many orders do you have? That's the question. 
None. I'm trying to get to it. <laughs> like, the currents pushing you towards it and then pulling They're slowly you away. floating away with, with Wilson. Interesting. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, the other thing, too, that I thought was interesting that you said was how this Suns team is more talented than the past Suns team. And I think that's true to an extent. Wait, when did I say that? Like literally three minutes ago. You said that Kokoshkov has more talent on this team. No, I was saying though. he has more talent personally. Oh, okay. Than well, the than other the other coaches. Well, well, let me. Still which get, was a lot of, big. A, a lot of what came in this summer when we were hiring was like, yeah, he knows what he's right. doing. He's had success. We're like, we're actually getting a real coach. Yada yada yada. And then he came in and we shat the bed. Well, let me let me still build on what I was going to say anyway, because I think mm. that. That's there, a point too. There, there, there is more talent on this team. It's just unrealized Wrong. talent because it's so young, which is another reason why you want to have Kakoshkov stick with this team, and that's because when you have a guy like DeAndre Ayton, you have a guy like Devin Booker, you have a guy like Kelly Oubre, you have a guy like Josh Jackson. Warren. I have, mean, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about him. If he comes back, he wants to come back. Yeah, but 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 you want to give those guys some that. level of continuity. Right. And I mean they deserve that. Unless this team's going to have this big upheaval and say they don't want Kakoshkov there, I don't see any reason to let him go cuz is another coach really going to do any better if they come in starting from scratch? Is Luke Walton really going to do that better? I mean, you're right. Luke Walton did a great job with the Lakers last year cuz the Lakers last year weren't really supposed to do anything. He got them to a 35 and 47 record. Remember when Steve Kerr was out and Luke Walton took over the Warriors, and now obviously the Warriors are a whole different story. Right, but, but he it, went 30, it, 39 and four. Right, it, like it, I don't care who you're coaching in the NBA, unless you're coaching like the dream team against the NBA players these days. Thirty nine four is freaking good. So there's no. If doubt If it that, wasn't for his coaching, they probably wouldn't have tried to go for the record. Right, and there's no doubt that Walton can coach. I just it just doesn't make sense to me to to to, to make that kind of move. The other, and I, I will say too that the story was originally done by Sean Deveni. Deveni. Well, well, see, see what the Lakers, what the Lakers news. should do. Yes, Paul. Trade LeBron. Go ahead. <laughs> that would be that would be so great. That would be imagine what Levar Ball would do if the Lakers traded LeBron. <laughs> Because, I mean, think about the assets you could get for LeBron. Because he doesn't have a trade, no, no trade, no trade clause. And he signed a four-year deal. There's literally nothing he can do you about know, it outside of just You know not what? Like, let me, let, me, let me say this right now. Okay, let's talk about this. <laughs> if, if the Lakers came to the Suns and were like, hey, we'll trade you LeBron. What are you going to give us for him? What would you give up for, for LeBron? What would I give up or what would the Suns give up? Let's do both. I don't know. I mean, dude's what? 34? What would you give up? Let's just make it simple. He's what? 34? I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because he was drafted our senior year of college. It tells you how old we are. Um, thank you, Father Time. Um, so he's 34. He's, he's already starting to show signs of a little bit of slippage. I don't know if that's this year because he doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, he had his first major injury. I mean, that that's really, that was like really one of his biggest talents was the fact that for all the minutes he played, for all the punishment he took, he never really had a major injury that knocked him out for more than like a game or two. But then when he lost, he would use minor injuries as an excuse, but that's a whole different topic. Or he'd, or he'd take a vacation in the middle of the season. He's the worst. Go on. But, so, like, I mean, I don't know if I'd give them the biggest haul in the world. Jesus Christ, Paul. I have to, you're asking me a question of, like, You brought it up. Just I know, but I hadn't thought about it. What does your gut say? What does your gut say? Just go. Go. You wouldn't? No. Thank you. Me neither. I wouldn't want him. How many teams do you think would actually want him? There are a lot of teams that would want him. Who? The Pelicans. (laughs) Oh, imagine LeBron in New Orleans. (laughs) Ugh. Ugh. No, I mean, I... Uh, the Knicks? He went, he went into the Lakers and basically, like, destroyed anything they had built up before. Yeah. Like, 
I feel like any young team wouldn't want him. Yeah, no, you you wouldn't want him on a young team, but if you had a team that was... You know who would like him? Washington. They got Trevor Ariza. They could trade. <laughs> they don't because... They, they've got John Wall to trade. Season. Um, no, I mean... You know, okay, let's not talk about trading LeBron. What were we talking about? <laughs> Luke Walton. Yeah, Luke Walton. I mean, Luke Walton's going to be gone. He is. Yeah. And and he'll, he'll probably have another job this offseason because they, the league knows it's not his fault. They know, oh, yeah. they know that front office and LeBron dealt him a shit hand, particularly LeBron after the whole Anthony Davis trade fiasco where they were willing to trade the, their entire team. So talk, talk about a locker room killer. Right. No kidding. Well, and let's talk about this too. Like everyone talks about how dysfunctional the Suns are. The Lakers, I feel arguably more dysfunctional. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you're in LA. How how is your team not good I don't all think the, the time? You know, the the Yankees are always good. The Red Sox are always good. The Lakers should be always good. So should the Knicks. Yeah, fair point. But um and actually the whole Yankees are always good thing that's only that's in spurts really. Like, if you look at their history, but... Well, I mean, they're always competitive. They're, they're never yeah. garbage. It's That's never, true. It's never like, oh, well, here it is. <laughs> the Yankees just lost to the I, Suns, have, and, have, and now their playoff hopes are I'd have to look back bad. at the 90s, the pre-Derek Jeter years. Because I, I was not paying enough attention to baseball back then, but... Paul, uh, this isn't a history lesson here, man. No, it's not. But anyways, um, the, the Lakers... Are actually interesting. Like that injury to um, uh, Ingram, that's scary, dude. That's what Chris Bosch had that ended his career. Mm-hmm. You know, so like from that standpoint, he was the centerpiece of a trade for Anthony Davis. The Pelicans going to take that now? I wouldn't. So that means Anthony Davis isn't coming. Where they can get that, and the other thing is, the the plan for the Lakers when they signed LeBron was, okay, we'll sign LeBron, we'll sign another star, then we'll trade for the third guy with our young assets, and then they because they didn't sign another a second star last summer because probably be, I, I like the conspiracy theory that um, Adam Silver basically told the Lakers that they were not allowed to sign Paul George because they just tampered so bad in that situation <laughs> and were so blatant about it. They're like, he's like, nah, you can't. So <laughs> that, I like that conspiracy theory. Um, a lot that, that one goes along the lines of the, uh, Michael Jordan's baseball career was actually a under the table suspension because of his gambling. That's not a theory. That's just a fact. But um, my sources say your sources say those are voices in my head, unfortunately. So with that, so and then they struck out and they struck out on like trading for Kawhi or Jimmy Butler or any of these other guys. They didn't get a second star over last summer. And there's a possibility (gasps) that they're not going to get one this summer in free agency. They have the space for it. But I mean, you're starting to look at like a lot of these guys are like, you know, they've seen the, the, the LeBron circus. This is team number four for the LeBron circus. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, two of them were the same team, but he did it four times. At particularly, I mean, particularly starting in Miami. Um, and I'm like, I'm not sure this the generation behind LeBron, like you know the Durants, the Kyries, the Kawhis, etc. Really want to be part of that. Amen. You know, particularly when you've got other teams that, you know, could be more advantageous to them. I mean, the Clippers have space. They're also in L.A. So if you want to get out to L.A., sure. They actually are going to make the playoffs this year. Suns have space. We're only a six-hour drive from L.A., depending on traffic. Right. I mean, 
private Kawhi, jets pretty quick. Toronto and Toronto's balling out, so he may not want to leave. I'm, I'm not sure that's true or not. I mean, he, he's got that Southern California blood in him. I don't know. Living in Toronto may not be the funnest thing in the world. You've got the Knicks who have two max slots, you know, and they're rumored to be getting Durant and Kyrie. It's you can see all those big guys going elsewhere. And then on top of that, you can't trade your young assets for um, for Anthony Davis. They're going to end up with Jimmy Butler. That's who they're. That's who their grab is. The more is we, Jimmy Butler. The more we talk about it, the more I'm thinking maybe Luke Walton just wants to get out. <laughs> He'll probably be like, please be fire me, fire me, and pay me. Kind of like how like Mike Brown when he got fired by the Cavs and then went and coached, uh, became an assistant coach for the Warriors, won a title with the Warriors while the Cavs were still paying him. Talk about poetic justice. USD alum. USD alum. The. University of San Diego, which is apparently a very sought-after school to get into. Yes. According to Aunt Becky. <laughs> All right. On that note, Paul, unless you've got anything else to add on that, I think we can wrap up this episode. What do you think, man? Yeah, I'm done. It's late. All right. Good deal. Well, as we always say here on Fanning the Flames, we appreciate everybody out there listening. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at so says Jay Paul at Dervish of World and the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA maybe soon to be at Valley Boys with multiple Z's I don't know It'll be like thick with all we'll the Z's just, we'll change the name we don't change the handle just change change the explaining Boys oh, how about we go with Boys from the Vat oh that sounds weird anyway <laughs> the Boys of Summer <laughs> as always. Thank you for listening, and depending on tell when your you're listening, tell your friends, absolutely. Depending on when you're subscribe, listening, rate, subscribe, review, yada, rate, yada. review. Keep interrupting me as I try to let people go here. No. Thank you for listening, and depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. We'll be back soon. Just want to hear you.